Welcome to Tucumcari First Assembly's podcast. Now open your hearts to be changed by the Word of God. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Church Online. We're going to continue in our series titled Breakthrough. And this morning we're talking about breakthrough in relationships. What does God's Word have to say about relationships? Well, we've been in uh, the kind of foundational passage of Scripture for this entire series is Isaiah chapter 60 verse 17 and 18, and it says this, Instead of bronze, I will bring gold, and instead of iron, I will bring silver. There's all these instead ofs, right? God is God is in, giving us an instead of this, this. He's upgrading us. He's breaking through, right? Instead of wood, bronze. Instead of stones, iron. I will make your overseers peace and your magistrates righteousness. Violence shall no more be heard in your land, devastation or destruction within your borders, but you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Call your walls salvation and your gates praise. I also want to look at Matthew chapter 18, verses 18 through 20. I just want you to understand this is the heart of the Father to us. Both of these passages we're really looking at This is God's, this is the father heart of God kind of to us. And he says in verse 18, he says, truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if, if two of you agree on earth about anything and ask, it will be done for them by my father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. One of the one of the most interesting things for me to do is one thing that we love to do is we love to travel. And uh, I don't know how many of you out there are travelers, but I love to travel and and I I love to to experience different cultures when I'm traveling. And one of those things that I I've really enjoyed over the the couple times I've been there is I've had two two opportunities, in fact, to to go to New York City. A few years ago, we took our entire family uh, to New York City. It was so much fun. But one of the one of the things that I like doing is is going to those different cultures. And I know I live out here in the country, right? But but I like going to the city also and experiencing all that. And uh, but one thing that that's interesting to me in New York City is you there's a place you can go in New York City, and you can buy knockoff merchandise. Okay, you can buy knockoff stuff and it looks incredible. It looks spectacular. In fact, to an untrained eye, uh, you, 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 can, you can tell no difference at all between a, a $20 Rolex and a, and a, thousands, a Rolex that costs thousands of dollars. And, and you, why would you pay any more for the thing that costs thousands of dollars when you can get one for 20 bucks that is almost identical. I mean, it looks so close to the, to the real deal, right? And it's, it's probably not until a couple days later that you realize the difference between something that looks genuine and something that actually is just because it shines doesn't mean it's good, right? Or that that finish isn't going to tarnish or it's not going to fade away. Right. And, And, and one thing that we know is this, a watch is only as good if you know, it's only good as if, if you know what it's for. If you don't know what it's for, it's really of no use to you. And, and the same is true about your faith. Your faith is only good 
when you know what it's for. So here's my question to, to you today is, what good is your faith and what is it for? What is your faith for? Well, I'll, I'll say this. Faith is for us as followers of Christ overcoming the world. It's for quenching the attack of the evil against us, right? It's, it's, it's that. It's for moving mountains. It's, faith is it, it's there for a purpose. The purpose of faith is, is that we're, we're enacting uh, the, the desires of God upon the earth. And here, here's the point. Here's the point. If your faith is a knockoff, you probably found that out in 2020. Like if, if you, if you, if you thought you were a follower of Christ, you probably definitely found that out in a, in a season like we just experienced. Many of us are still kind of going through those struggles of, of, of being kind of shut out and, 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 and not, not being included or, or not feeling like we can. Listen, I'm just telling you, it's time for a breakthrough. And we're talking about being breaking through in our relationships. This is why, this is why we cry out, right, for revival. Not just so that more people will go to heaven instead of hell. That's a wonderful thing, right? That's a big deal. But also so that God's people will awaken to the reality of who we are in Christ. To awaken to that. It's time that we recover some world-changing faith, right? Some faith that's going to move us from where we are to to where we need to go for, for that thing. Listen, Christianity is not merely for us to experience a fulfilled life. Jesus Christ didn't come to the earth and die so that we could have a preferred future. Okay, that's not it. It's to align our life with God's kingdom purpose, right? And, and that will bring a fulfilled life. It's, it goes hand in hand. So let me say it this way. We were created, you guys, we were created for relationships. I know it sounds simple, but we're created for relationships. There's, there's dynamic relationship ultimately with us and God. There's, there's also created for strategic relationships, the kingdom relationships between one another, between um, myself and, and, and my spouse, my, myself and my friends, those people. And, and this is kind of a, a radical thesis idea, okay? But to the degree that our relationships work, in other words, that we're loving, that we're kind, that we're patient, that we're, um, that we're forgiving of one another, that we, that we do these things for one another to the degree that we are, are in that kind of relationship is to the degree that we're able to steward the glory of God in our lives, right? And to live that out. It's really about covenant relationships in our lives. And it's, it's covenant relationships are, are, are all are, are about no longer having contracts inside the family of God, right? But so that we would commit to one another's well-being, check this out, without an expectation of return. That we're going to commit to each other like Christ is committed to us, right? Let, let's make relationships like God has with us. He says, listen, I will be faithful to you even when you're not faithful to me. That, that's, that's the essence of the relationship that we have with Christ Jesus. And in history, when people decided to live like that, the most amazing thing happened. 
The Bible says that signs and wonders of God were happening upon the earth. And it's, it's pretty interesting to study out. Those things begin to happen at an accelerated rate when, when people live in that covenant style relationship. Because listen, the Holy Spirit is attracted to an environment where we love one another. He's attracted to that environment without strings attached, without them attached. Our relationships create capacity for God to work and for him, for him to be evident and working in our lives. L- let me prove my case a little bit. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out. The beginning of the church, as we know, the New Testament church, 3,000 people are added to the church that day. Miracles are happening. Generosity is being poured out. But it's also met by an immediate resistance. Immediate resistance. Here, here's the secret to the early church. Here's the secret that they have. Because often what you hear today is, you know, if we were just like the early church. Well, they had a lot of resistance. And not, no one ever talks about the resistance they have. But they learned, guys, they learned how to navigate opposition in a way that brought increase to the church. It brought increase. Sometimes opposition exposes the frailties and weaknesses of the church. But in that this time, when the, the, the church was being birthed, right, in Acts chapter 2, they learned how to navigate through the opposition in a way that it brought increase, right? And when opposition came, when they came to arrest Jesus, right? But through the the first dozen years of the church, every wave of opposition, every single bit that they met, they met it with greater resolve than they ever had before. They were determined, greater purity, greater devotion, more power, more, they were, they were, they were better, when opposition came, they were better. Acts chapter 3, uh, Peter, he heals somebody in Jesus' name, right? Then he's arrested, he's threatened, and by Acts chapter 4, they retreat to their believing friends, or they retreat to what the Bible calls the remnant of them, their own companions, okay? The church people, their small group, right? They prayed for an increased boldness in <laughs> In the, in the middle of the threat that they were under. And check this out. As a result, there were two church worshipers who conceived this weird idea in their heart. They were intentionally deceiving. And get this, they died. They died. Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5, in, in Acts chapter 5, verse 12, um, it talks about signs and wonders being increasing and they're happening there. There, but there. there weren't as many visitors to the church after Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead at church. But it says this in verse 12. Afterward, they all met regularly and in mer- remarkable harmony on the, on the temple porch named after Solomon. Those who put their trust in the master were added right and left, carried sick to the, into the streets, hoping they would be touched by Peter's shadow, and all were healed. Okay, up until this point in, in history, no one had in the history of the church been healed by a shadow. <laughs> but when the opposition came, check it out, it, it led to an increase of God's activity in their lives, and opposition opened the door for an increase 
of godly things taking place. There were miracles that began to happen that did not happen before. Now, because they were together, because they were in unity, because they had one heart, because of that, all all of a sudden you see the Holy Spirit's activity upon the earth at an accelerated level that had never been seen before. Acts chapter 6, verse 7, um, God's word reigned supreme and it kept multiplying. The, the next scene is this guy named Stephen. Stephen was a deacon in the church, an incredible man of God, and he's arrested. And then he's stoned, right? Where they threw rocks at him till he quit twitching. He was stoned by the religious leaders. And as he dies, you can imagine what must have been going through his mind, right? As he's dying, he prayed that God would forgive the people that were killing him. Instead of calling fire down from heaven to destroy them all, what what does Stephen do? He's praying that God would use this moment to change the history of the rest of the world. And we know that in the group there, the Bible even calls the, this guy, calls his name, and he's, there's this guy named Saul of Tarsus. He's actually holding the coat of Stephen, right? And it says, in the spirit of persecution, the head of opposition melted because Stephen got to him. Check this out. Stephen used an opportunity here, not to, not, again, not to call fire down from heaven, to destroy all those that came against him, not to, not to just stand up on his own self-righteousness, but to, to declare that forgiveness should come through this horrible act. This forgiveness should come. And as a result, there was a great shift that took place, right, in the, in the lives of people. And this guy named Saul from Tarsus, right, became Paul, right, is an incredible, later on would become Paul, an incredible, incredible man of God that would take the gospel message and undoubtedly tell the story of Stephen to thousands of people who who their lives would be changed forever. Listen, here's the application. If, If there's a willingness to release forgiveness in our hearts, that, that brings about a strategic change to the people who were against them then, it'll also bring about it as a, a very much a strategic change to the people that are against the move of God upon the earth right now, that are against the church, that are against you changing your life following Jesus, that are against your family stopping all the sins of the past and moving in a new direction. All these things. Look at Acts chapter 15. There's a conflict here in Acts 15 between the Pharisees who'd come into the church And the Gentiles also who'd come into the church, right? The Pharisees insisted that the Gentiles come to faith in the same way that they did. Well, the Pharisees were law abiders, right? They wanted to keep all the law through the obedience of the law. And so they expected the Gentiles to do all the things that they did. They expected them to be circumcised just like they were. They expected all these things and it almost divided the church. It almost divided the church. How did, how did they get through that? Look at verse six, Acts 15, verse six. The apostles and elders came together. They worked out differences without damaging relationships. Verse 25, it says, we assembled with one accord. 
We assembled with one accord. And as a result, the church, guys, moved out of Antioch, moved out of Jerusalem, moved out, and it goes through the whole world, and it opened an entirely new missionary season. And it's because the church knew, listen, how to navigate through opposition that came to it over and over and over again. When we are willing to walk through that opposition, opposition didn't set them back. It accelerated what God wanted to do. Healthy relationships are absolutely key to breakthrough in our lives. Absolutely uncertain. It, 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 is, it, is, it is absolutely certain that that's a key to the breakthrough moments of our life. So how we navigate opposition, okay? How we navigate opposition where it doesn't set the church back. How do we do that? How do we navigate it where it doesn't set the church back? but accelerate it. We do that through healthy relationships. We got to, we got to have some breakthrough in our relationships. And I can just tell you, listen, there are relationships even in our church. I love our church. I think we have an incredibly amazing church. The dynamic, the, the relationships that we have within the church. Can I just tell you something? There's some things that could get better right? There's some, there's some opposition that occasionally bubbles up that we can navigate a little bit better. It's going to take everybody. It's going to take us all. It's going to take a commitment to getting past those things to make it better. And I believe as we do, I believe as we do that we're going to see a greater increase of what God is doing among us and throughout our community. Listen, the heartbeat of the church was announced at the very beginning of the journey. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayer. So four things that became pillars by which all the opposition will fall. Four things. Number one is apostles' doctrine. Okay? The teaching for their context. We have to have biblical teaching for the context in which we live, okay? I try really hard to do that, right? And talk about current relevant things to our life. Sometimes it's so relevant, it's painful, right? But that's what it's about. It's about us walking through that. We got to continue. So the apostles' doctrine, also fellowship. Fellowship, what is that? It simply means I'm going to share life with you. We're going to, we're going to, we're just going to walk through life together in fellowship with each other. We're going to we're going to spend time doing that, right? And it says breaking bread. That's not just communion, it's communion, but it's also it's also just sharing lunch. It's also sitting down over a, you know, a cup of coffee and visiting. It's it's what we do at life groups. It's it's all those things and then and then it says and by prayers. Uh plural there. Not not just where they prayed a prayer, but they had corporate prayers together. And those prayers gave the church the strength that it needed to get through every opposition that they were going to face. So I want you to notice something here. Out of the four things, out of those four pillars the church had, three of them require relationships. Three of them require relationships and with people, all four of them require relationships between people and God, okay? So a few things about relationships. Number one, we are created, we were created and are created for relationships. That's why quarantine and solitary confinement makes people depressed. 
we, we're literally, listen, we're heart-wired together. We're, God did that. He formed us. He made us that way. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, it's not good for man to be alone. So whether, whether a beautiful marriage or strong friendship or whatever, life is better when relationships are good. Life is just better when your relationships are going well, when you're not in conflict, when you're walking hand in hand. Life's just better. Number two, relationships make us better. They make us better. The idea here is, is that we need one another's individual perspectives in order to, to, to move forward in wisdom, right? Yours just isn't simply enough. Mine isn't enough. I need the people around me. So at the church here, we have, we have several people that are on staff with us, other people that are kind of volunteer staff that work alongside us. We have the, 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 the people in the office. We have Gail and Jen, and we have, we have Amber and Dylan and Creed who through COVID have been right alongside of us. We have, we have people like Nikki who's on staff with us too. It's, it's so much fun. We have all these people. We have, we have people that show up week in and week out that are part of our staff, our worship team, our teachers, all the people people that serve in different voluntary roles all around the church. And can I just tell you, when we meet together, when we, when we get together, what I can't do as the pastor is I can't just tell everybody, hey, listen, it's my way. We're going to do it this way. And I don't want to even hear any of your input because I, after all, I'm the pastor here. Listen, if I did that, I would be robbing you of their perspective, which is the kingdom of God that he's brought together. I'm better, you're better, we're all collectively better together when we, when we hear from all those voices, when everyone has that input. And I know there has to be enough emotional security for us to say, I love you so much that your perspective matters to me. Your, your ideas, your thoughts, they matter to me. I'm just saying, listen, relationships make us better. They make us better. Also, number three, relationships also make us stronger. They make us stronger. A while back, I had surgery on my right foot. I had surgery and on my foot, and I had to walk with this ugly shoe on for a while. And it's interesting because um, you can go into any place. You can go, you'd be, this is when we could eat in restaurants. You could go to a restaurant. You could go anywhere you wanted to go, and total strangers would tell me about their foot surgery. It was, it was, it was absolutely incredible to me. People I had never met, people on the street would walk up to me. Oh yeah, one time I had a boot like that, shoe like that, and it was because of this took place. I had this surgery. People, listen, people were opening doors for me. I, I had, I, that, and I loved part of that. It was really nice. But, but here's what I found out. Here's what I found out in that struggle. When you're going through something, People who've already been through it help you get stronger. That's fact. They will help you get stronger. There's so much freedom that comes when you let people into your life who've already come into the freedom that you're looking for in that moment. There is some crazy thing that happens 
There's just this camaraderie. There's this, the struggle. They recognize you're in the struggle that I was in. I've overcome and they come to your aid. They don't even know who you are. Guys, that's a picture of what the church should be doing with the rest of the world around us. That's, that's who we are as people with our friends. When our friends are struggling, man, our hearts should break along with them. When they're rejoicing, we should be partying along with them, right? We should be doing that. So very important. Relationships make us stronger. Number four, they also, relationships are this. They are key to the kingdom. Oh, they're key to the kingdom. From the beginning of God's redemptive purpose in our lives. Listen, his strategy has always been the same. I will share my glory with my people. They will love me so much, is what he's saying. They will love me so much that they will love each other so much that by their love, their love will increase and to the, to the, to the degree that the world will notice and they'll notice the change in them. They'll, because of the change in them, they'll notice who I am. God is saying, if, when you love one another, the world will know that you love me because of your love for another. It's literally the key to the kingdom. People of extraordinary relationships show the world my love. That's what God is saying. Here's the key. It's only when my people are together that they will carry my authority. It's only when they're, whenever they, whatever they bind on earth, right? Whatever is, is bound in heaven, whatever they, that word loose on earth, Jesus said, I will build my church. And then he uses this word ecclesia, very, very technical term borrowed from the Roman culture. Whenever the cities of Rome, whatever, or wherever the citizens of Rome gathered, it didn't matter where it was, wherever they gathered anywhere in the world, they implemented into that location, the Roman values, the Roman laws, the Roman culture. When you think of Jesus using that word ecclesia, it makes certain scriptures kind of come alive. Matthew chapter 18, verses 19, verse 19. If two of you agree, not, not agree whether you like steak medium rare, like, like you want it well done, not like that at all, or how, how your money should be spent or saved or where you want to go on vacation or not go on vacation, not agree like that, but it's like this. It's like a symphony. It's like an orchestra, right? that everyone has their part to play and, and not everyone playing the flute, not everyone playing the trombone, right? But if your unique story, your unique sound, your unique submission to the conductor of life, right? That thing, as we get into agreement, we bring to the earth the authority of Christ's resurrection and it changes the culture. Incredible. Matthew 18 verse 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. That must be the most powerful promise in the whole universe, I, I think. More than our culture, more, more than our culture, we invoke heaven's culture into our culture right now. See, when Jesus taught on the Sermon of the Mount, he was saying that the kingdom relationships matter. They matter more than giving, more than prayer. I know that's saying a lot, but you go, you go study it out. He says in the Lord's prayer, he says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those. You'll never stay in the, in the sweetness of the father's forgiveness unless you share in the sweetness of forgiveness to someone else. Okay. Matthew 5, 44 relationship with enemies 
matters. It says, if you love those who love you, what reward is that? If you love those who don't love you, manifesting the sonship of the Father, you're showing the world a peculiar kind of love, right? Listen, relationships are the centerpiece of the kingdom of heaven. And I want to pray with you about your relationships today because they can be better. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you what we see in it. We thank you for all the similarities and the times where your your power was on display on the earth. And God, through the difficult thing of relationship, through the struggle of opposition, when people fought through opposition, when they band together, when they sought your love, when you came first and you're the, the guiding force of you showed up on the earth in a dramatic way. And God, we're just desiring more of that in our lives. So we just ask that our relationship be strengthened by your common bond of your love for us all. God, may we be people who lean in to what you have. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And may we be the church that seeks out better relationships so that your kingdom can come so that your will will be done, and so that your people can move forward in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening with us today. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash or join us for service Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m.